Coming to you live, it's San Miguel Talk Story, a bilingual podcast presented by the San Miguel Storytellers and the San Miguel Literary Sala. There's a politician up north, I'm not going to name him, but he has really, really bad hair. And he says things about the Mexican people, and he's an idiot. Nathan Feuerberg is not an idiot. I know that. I've known him for more than a decade now. He received an MSc in creative writing from the University of Edinburgh in Scotland and an MFA from the University of New Orleans. His short stories have appeared in many literary journals and anthologies, and his plays have been performed in England, France, and Italy. Recently, his audio short story collection, 36, was published by Nomadic Press. He is also one of the winners of the 2014 San Miguel Storytelling Festival, Nathan Feuerberg. The, sum the summer when I'm 12 comes with a lingering heat. It slides down the body in a thin film. It gets in the brain and sparks riots. It makes crazy ideas sound like good ones, especially when they have to do with impressing a girl. One Saturday afternoon, I'm strolling down to Leaflet's Park. I spy Becca at the Little League game. I stroll up to the counter and nonchalantly lean against, sup. <laughs> she looks at me with all the memories of our past summers and gives me a big hug. She's been coming to Crown Heights for as long as I can remember. Both our parents are divorced and we get shipped off to our dads. She tells me she just arrived two days ago. Her uh, mom kept her in Sheepshead Bay because she was doing her uh, bat mitzvah. When I look at her blankly, she explains, you know, it's like a big party. Girls have them when they turn 12, boys when they turn 13. Ah, bat mitzvah, yeah. Mine's going to be great. <laughs> Don't be silly, she says. Only girls have a bat mitzvah. Boys have a bar mitzvah. Yeah, I know that. I was just testing you. <laughs> we sit in the stands and watch the game. And then we walk home. And on the walk home, Becca asked me, if the only way you could save the world was by cutting off a narwhal's horn, would you do it? Well, what's a narwhal, I ask? You know, it's like a whale with a unicorn's horn. I take my Swiss Army knife out of my shorts pocket. I'd cut off that horn, no problemo. What about you? She says, no, I wouldn't cut off its horn. I'd ride that narwhal to the end of the world. On Friday, my father takes me to Wang's Egg Roll for the three ninety-five dollars all-you-can-eat buffet special. We load up our tray with uh, sweet and sour shrimp, mushu pork, and kung pao chicken. In a dingy red booth, we sit under a lantern and shovel down our dinner. I ask my father, when you were my age, uh, did you have a, a bar mitzvah? He pauses with a fork full of pork inches from his mouth. <laughs> 
Yeah, he says, me and your uncle both had them, you know. Can I have one, I ask? He's like, well, no, you're not, you're not Jewish. But you're Jewish, I say. Well, no, your mother has to be Jewish, he says. And he can tell, you know, that I don't like these, this news so much. So finally, he says, why don't, why don't we go talk to the rabbi, you know, and, and see what he says. I hear they're much more lenient these days. So on the next day is Saturday, and we go down to the Jewish Community Center. And we meet with the rabbi in his office. And my dad explains that I want a bar mitzvah. And the rabbi, you know, is very helpful. You know, he's like, you know, if you work now, you can still probably do it. You still have time before you're 13. But then he realizes that my mom's not Jewish. And he's like, well, you know, since your mom's not Jewish, we'd have to perform kind of like a ritual. My dad's, my dad's like, uh, what, you want to c- convert him? And the rabbi's, well, you know, it's, he'd have to uh, understand the weight of the Ten Commandments, and he'd have to agree to keep kosher, and he'd, he'd have to be circumcised. My father says, but he's already been snipped. And the rabbi's like, well, you know, it's a, it's a ceremonial circumcision. We, we take two drops of blood. And I'm sitting there like, two drops of blood? And, you know, and I'm looking at the rabbi, waiting for him to be like, ha, ha, ha. And I look at my dad, and my dad's not laughing at all. And he's, he seems very serious. And he's like, no one's going to re-circumcise my son. You know, he doesn't need you to prove that he's a man. So we leave, and later that afternoon, I, I explain the situation to Becca. And... <laughs> I tell her, well, my dad says he's going to have a big party for me when I turn 13, so, you know, it's no big deal. But I can tell she's really disappointed. So for the rest of the summer, I study the Hebrew alphabet, and Becca teaches me some of the prayers, and I even learn some Yiddish. I try my hardest, you know, to, to get with it. And the last week of summer vacation finally arrives, and me and Becca are sitting in her backyard on the swing set that her dad built when we were kids. I take my Swiss Army knife out of my pocket, and I say, will you help me become Jewish? (laughs) Her jaw kind of like falls down, and she's just like, what, are you serious? What, you you want me to cut you? And I'm like, well, you're always talking about cutting off those narwhal horns. I thought you'd want to do it. (laughs) And she's just like, no, no, no. But finally, I'm like, come on, you know, I can't do it myself. So she, she takes the knife, and I stand in front of her with my hands on my hips. And she's like, well, you know, you got to take off your, you got to take your shorts and underwear off. And I, I'm like, it hadn't really occurred to me that I had to do that. <laughs> so I, I kind of check the backyard, and her father's not around, so it seems to be clear. And I finally, I drop my underwear and shorts to the ground, and I kind of tug my shirt down low. And so she, she kind of comes in like, like a scientist. And like her, her fingers are like forceps, and she's got the knife. And all I can think is like, please don't get a boner. Please don't get a boner. And... She starts to come in, and I just feel this wave of nausea go over me. But I can't back out now. And then she cuts. 
and blood starts to come out, and she jumps back away. And I, I just, like, I'm looking down at the dirt, and I see these little drops hitting, hitting the dirt. And, and so I, I try to cover myself up and wrap it up, but the blood just keeps coming. And I'm like, that's a lot more than two drops of blood. <laughs> so the paramedics arrive. <laughs> And my, my father's there, and he's just shaking his head, like, oh, my God. And the paramedic wraps me up with gauze, and he's like, don't worry, in a couple weeks, you'll be good. But I'm not listening to the paramedic. I can see out the back of the ambulance window, and I can see Becca sitting on the stoop. I know she'll never look at me the same. Um, not this summer or any other summer. From now on, when she looks at me, she'll see a man. <laughs> the San Miguel Storytellers is a nonprofit organization. Intent on bringing back the oral tradition of storytelling to San Miguel de Allende, Mexico. If you would like to make a donation, volunteer, or get more information, visit sanmiguelstorytellers.com. <laughs>